the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Kristen Amiot. It's Wednesday, January 25. Fijian Prime Minister Sitaveni Rabuka has poured cold water on China's power grab in the South Pacific. The newly elected PM ruled out Chinese military training for the island nation's defence force, moving instead to strengthen diplomatic and military ties with Australia. Mr Rabuka told The Australian he believes it's always safer to go with the people you know better, but warned Australia can't afford to take its relationship with Fiji for granted. United Firefighter Union Secretary Peter Marshall is the nation's highest paid union boss. The Australian can exclusively reveal today that Marshall raked in almost $550,000 in the last financial year, almost double that of Australia's other union bosses and just $17,000 less than the PM. Elsewhere, many of the union officials earning more than $200,000 are employed by the Construction, Forestry, Maritime, Mining and Energy Union. The Northern Territory town of Alice Springs is in the midst of a crime wave that's seen more than 300 arrests made in a matter of weeks. Children and young people are left to wander the streets unsupervised, with residents afraid to sleep in their own homes as alcohol fueled violence engulfs the town. Yesterday, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese finally answered the call of desperate community leaders. Uh, these are complex problems and they require a full solution. Uh, which won't be uh, immediate, uh, which require different levels of government, but to work together. That's in today's episode. The crisis, it's out of control. It's pretty scary to be living in Alice Springs at the moment. We're just seeing a trickle of effects every single day. People breaking into people's houses while they're asleep. Businesses every single day getting broken into. We've seen a shopping centre get shut down on Sunday afternoon at 1.30 due to a 13-year-old wielding a machete around. So I've asked for, you know, the federal police to, through the federal government, to step in and just give us some extra resources because we need some help at the moment. That was Alice Springs Mayor Matt Patterson. He was detailing the terrifying reality of living in the Northern Territory town after decade-long alcohol restrictions expired last year. Now he's calling for support as violence and unrest in the town escalates. Paige Taylor is the Australian's Indigenous Affairs correspondent and she joins me now. Paige, the question of what's going on in Alice right now is a really complex one. Can you step me through how we got here? Locals talking to our reporter on the ground in Alice Springs, Liam Mendes, are telling him that this has been a long time coming. It's not just one factor, although there is... I think, a consensus among the people we've spoken to that the lifting of the alcohol bans outside Alice Springs has been incredibly unhelpful. Alcohol bans are in place outside Alice Springs as a result of the intervention in 2012. That was a federal government initiative, incredibly controversial at the time, but a lot of the Indigenous people we've spoken to say that those bans were a good thing And when they were lifted in the middle of last year, that was because the time limit ran out on those bans and people had to opt in. Communities had to opt in if they wanted a ban. And some of them haven't done that. And as a result, we are now in a situation where people can drink in locations where they never used to be able to. 
As you said, things were already going downhill before the sunsetting of that Stronger Futures legislation, which many people will know as grog bans. But just how bad has the situation become in Alice Springs? So what we see in Alice Springs over time are Northern Territory-wide initiatives, including a banned drinkers register, a floor price on alcohol. You'll see things like police officers or auxiliary officers stationed outside our bottle shops asking people, what are your intentions this evening? Are you buying for anyone else? You also have to have an address to buy alcohol. And from what we're hearing, this has become quite a time-consuming activity for somebody who's determined to get alcohol in Alice Springs. They can still do that so long as they find somebody who's got an address and, of course, has money. The picture that Liam Mendez, our reporter, has been able to paint is one of pretty much chaos. He's talking about up to 200 children a night roaming around in Alice Springs. It's a town of 25,000 people, so that's a lot of kids. And what he's reporting also is is a big surge in things like assaults, uh, home invasions, family violence. Mayor Matt Patterson says the police presence in Alice isn't large enough to cope with the magnitude of this crisis. We just don't have enough police in Alice Springs to deal with the level of crime that happens day in, day out, 24 hours a day. It's just unbelievable. But Northern Territory Police Commissioner Jamie Chalker has said they can't arrest their way out of this problem. Is more support from law enforcement, be it the police or the Defence Force, as has also been suggested, the answer? Do we know the answer to this problem? It does seem common sense that a law enforcement response is required immediately, but I think we all know that's not a long-term solution. Liam Mendez has been listening to locals who are telling him we need to find strategies to get the children who are in trouble engaged back in school. There's a whole range of things that need to occur that don't involve dealing with kids at the very end of the line. Senator Jacinta Price has signalled her intention to introduce a bill that would see alcohol bans reinstated. Does that kind of legislation address the root cause of the violence that's engulfing the community in Alice Springs, or is it a necessary solution in the short term, at least? I think there is a lot of support for this kind of immediate response. My take on this is it's incredibly important to have a response, an immediate response, but there needs to be some planning too about what are we going to do going forward. It is incredibly important that the people who haven't been heard on this topic yet, the locals, are listened to. And I think the solutions ultimately will come from Alice Springs. It really doesn't make any sense that Canberra has all the answers to this. Paige, the situation in Alice Springs has been escalating in recent weeks to the point that it's threatening to derail the conversation around the Indigenous voice to Parliament. Labor MP Marion Scrimger this week called for discussions around the voice to be paused while it's resolved. Oh, look, I think um, the, the voice couldn't be further from, you know, people's view up here. I think it's, it's probably unfinished business in this country, but I think that we can't have these conversations if there's all these issues that are impacting on communities like Alice Springs. Now, how do we get Aboriginal people, but also communities to, you know, have faith 
and to vote in this referendum mm. if they don't believe government's listening to them. How does this play for the government and what does it mean for the immediate future of the voice campaign? Well, I think there are people who will grab onto Marion Scrimger's comments who never intended to support the voice and that will be useful for them. But I do think she's making a very sincere comment about her own community and her own electorate. It shows to me how serious the crisis is. I note the comments of Empowered Communities Chair Ian Trust. He's a, he's a very senior Gidja man from Kununurra in the East Kimberley. And he is saying that these two things can go together. In fact, the voice can help. It's Mr Trust's view that the voice is going to be able to help by lifting up the voices of people on the ground who know what's going on, who know what hasn't worked in the past and delivering that information to people who are in a position to do something about it. Paige Taylor is the Australian's Indigenous Affairs correspondent. Stay with us after the break, what we learned from Anthony Albanese's trip to Alice. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts. You ready to go? Well, this is my third visit to the Northern Territory as Prime Minister. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese touched down in Alice Springs yesterday after resisting calls for the federal government to intervene and in light of mounting pressure from the opposition and the Northern Territory community. Sarah Ison is a political reporter with The Australian and she joins me now. Sarah, who did the PM meet with yesterday and what did he have to say about the situation on the ground? He met with a lot of local leaders, Indigenous organisations and, of course, the NT government. When he did get up, he made some announcements that had to do with the establishment of a regional controller who was someone who was going to kind of oversee this issue and also the extension of some money, about $14 million, for some police operations, including security and CCTV. But he himself didn't really do anything regarding the alcohol problem. He left that very much for the NT government, nor did he commit any AFP, which has been another call, again, leaving policing to the NT. For the next three months, the NT government has restricted the takeaway sale of alcohol and it will be completely banned to buy alcohol on Monday and Tuesday. And then there'll be further restrictions that apply to other days between 3 and 7pm, such as people being only allowed to make one purchase a day. Here's what Northern Territory Chief Minister Natasha Files said about those measures. I do ask the community to understand we do not take these decisions lightly but these are measures to reduce the amount of alcohol in our community. Is it a decision that police fully support? And by reducing that amount of alcohol, we will reduce the harm. The federal government, led then by John Howard, intervened under similar circumstances in 2012 when the Stronger Futures legislation was introduced. What's being said about the possibility of that kind of longer-term intervention happening at a federal level now? 
very much being talked down. That doesn't look like it's going to happen for a number of reasons. One of the big ones is that the Northern Territory government themselves and the police commissioner and so on have made quite clear they don't want that kind of federal intervention. And they've talked about how it's race-based uh, and it doesn't allow self-determination and it's not a good idea. Also, in terms of these calls for the federal government to reinstate such a ban, we've got to keep in mind those calls are coming from the coalition and from Peter Dutton. And so Albanese and a lot of Labor MPs are really not taking that so seriously because it was under that government that these federal interventionist laws were allowed to expire. Opposition leader Peter Dutton has been criticised for that lack of action. Peter Dutton was a part of the coalition cabinet that sat there and let the Stronger Futures law lapse in the Northern Territory. Yet over the last few weeks, he's played politics with this issue without even visiting the Northern Territory. He's now calling for the government to tackle the issue in a bipartisan way. So what's he suggesting they do? Peter Dutton has basically said that these federal laws that ban alcohol really worked and they need to come into place again and that that's what there should be this bipartisan discussion over. As we've said, that is interesting given it was under his government that the laws were allowed to expire at all. But the way he and the coalition are going about this is approaching this as a national emergency, an unprecedented moment that really does beg some kind of extra action. Sarah Ison is a political reporter with The Australian. You can read our ongoing coverage of the situation in Alice Springs right now at theaustralian.com.au. Access a world of true crime podcasts on Crimex Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth and I thought he was dead. Another one been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime.